This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we are talking about the very hot, hot topic of the election and your investments. We are being inundated with questions about what should I do with my portfolio before the election? And depending on the outcome of the election, what should I think about doing with my portfolio after the election happens? So what I thought I would do today is share a little bit of history and perspective on how elections and the markets have been intertwined, and then talk a little bit about what mindset to be in concerning your investment portfolio and this upcoming election. Now, there's a lot going on during any normal election year, but, and I think it's very fitting, this time feels different. For many people, just the intensity surrounding this and the emotional baggage that we're all carrying from the COVID-19 pandemic and the uh, fear and uproar which exists on social media, depending on which side of the, you know, Republican Democratic debate that you sit on. So this, this Money Guide episode is not about politics and political platforms. This is just simply about the money that you have, how it's invested, and how the markets have intertwined with elections in the past. But we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to get elected, and we don't know what the outcome of somebody getting elected is really going to be. So let's take a look at some historical perspective so we can understand a little bit about what to anticipate and kind of put some of these things into a frame of mind of looking at it to be balanced when we're trying to make decisions about what to do with portfolios. So first of all, here's what I'm going to say is buckle up because there's likely to be volatility. Before any election, we normally see the volatility elevate in the months leading up to the election. And this is really a normal and logical thing. And the reason is the markets don't like uncertainty. The markets definitely do like certainty. They'll have a reaction and then they'll move forward based on what they know. So the uncertainty of a political election is a big deal in the market and that's why we see volatility leading up to it. We really see it mostly happen in the month before the election. That's when the volatility tends to hit the most. So here's a couple of things that I think are really interesting in terms of the actual presidential election. And this information is coming from Strategist Research Partners. So the average S&P 500 performance of presidential election years from 1936 through 2017 looks like this. Six months after the election, if we have the incumbent party win, we're about two and a half percent up in the S&P 500. And if we have the incumbent party lost, we're about 2% up. So that's kind of interesting to note. In both scenarios, from 1936 through 2017, no matter who wins, six months after, we're up 25 to 3%. I think that's a little bit fascinating. And the reason, again, for it is the market likes certainty. 
Now, if we look at a year after, then if the incumbent party won, we're up about 6% in the S&P 500. And if the incumbent party lost, we're up about, again, 2.5%. So again, it's anticipated that based on the historical averages, we are likely to see a decent or upward market in the 12 months following the election, no matter who wins. So I hear people right now saying, oh, I want to run for the hills if this is the outcome, or I want to run from the hills if this is the outcome. (laughs) We have people who are smart, educated people wanting to run from the hills, no matter who wins this election. But the reality is the market history signifies that no matter who wins, historically, over 90% of the time, we've seen a positive market. So interesting little fact there. Okay, the next thing that I want to talk about with this is that the, the, the difference between having a Democratic president or a Republican president is negligible when you think about elections. So according to some Bernstein research, even though it feels different this time, the reality is we've had a divided country many, many, many times in history. And there's really little relationship between political power and the stock market. So although, of course, past performance does not guarantee future results, when we've had a Democratic president, then we've had average market conditions back to 1937, annualized returns during Democratic presidents of 9.2%. Going back again to 1937, if we've had a Republican president in those years, we've averaged 9.1%. So Democrats, 9.2%, Republicans, 9.1%. Negligible difference between who's in charge when it comes to long-term returns on the stock market. Here's another interesting thing. Divided government versus unified government. So what this means is who's controlling the House and the Senate So if we have divided government where one party is controlling either the House or Senate and the other party is controlling the other one, we have seen long-term averages since 1937 in the S&P 500 of 10% return. And unified government is actually 8.2%. Now, I find that to be the most fascinating statistic of everything I'm going to tell you today because it's telling us that the market returns have been higher over time when we've had a divided government than when we've had a unified one. I think most people would make the assumption that a unified government would create a stronger forward push in the economy. And the reality is, since 1937, we have actually seen a better return in the market when we've had a divided government. So, I guess the country's pretty divided right now. Maybe that's not a bad thing for the economy going forward. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the potential market impact. There are certain things that we know, and there are absolutely things that we don't know. So here's a couple of things that we, I think we can say we know. I would venture to say we know that the balance of power in the White House the Senate and the House is going to have an effect on the economy and the markets. And one of the big reasons for that is the proposed tax structure that would be falling under each administration. 
we know what current polls are saying. And of course, they change some from day to day. So our polling information about what's likely to happen is only as good as the day that it is polled. And we also know this, and this is very important. I want everybody to hear this. We shouldn't let our personal political views cloud our investment judgment. Our investment judgment and what is likely to happen long-term in the market, as I just went over, really doesn't have a significant difference when it comes to market returns. So it's very important not to let your political views drive your long-term portfolio decisions. Your investment decisions are best served if they're separated from your portfolio, your personal political views. So here's what we don't know though. And, and these are some interesting things to think about. We don't know how closely the election results will actually match the polls. We don't know on the day that it's time to go vote how closely those polls are linked to reality. So we don't want to take a big bet one way or the other based on polls. You don't want to read the polls and say, oh, this poll is saying this, so I'm going to make this response in my portfolio. I'm going to pull out of the market or I'm going to go all in on the market. That is a bad idea. We also don't know this, and this is a very important thing to think about. We don't know how policy will change once somebody's elected because just because they're suggesting something in their campaign platform, then things are going to be debated and voted on <laughs> in the House and the Senate and ultimately agreed to and, and signed into law by the president. So because someone has a campaign platform, that they're running on does not necessarily mean that that is where the public policy will end up. And that's really important to remember, especially when it comes to the tax side of things. Now, we also don't know how much different election results or policies are already being factored into the market or when they will be. So for instance, um, it is clear in the campaign platforms that President Trump has intent to keep taxes at the current lower tax structure. And it is clear from Joe Biden's platform that his intent would be to raise taxes. He's already outlined exactly what his intent would be to do with that. What we don't know is whether or not the market has already taken that information and priced it into its current pricing. So here's the fallacy in thinking that you can time the market. Some people are saying, well, if Biden wins, then we can expect the market to go down because his tax strategy would have a negative impact on some companies that are in the market. So whether or not that's true or not, the reality is we don't know if the market has already priced a Biden win into its current levels and therefore won't have as big of a reaction as somebody might be thinking. Conversely, some people are thinking if Trump wins because of his tax strategy in his campaign platform, People are thinking, well, maybe we'll see a big market jump if he wins because we're going to retain lower taxes. What we don't know is, has the market already priced that in? So regardless of who wins, we can't tell ahead of time what the market has already estimated for an outcome 
and has priced into itself. So the bottom line with this, of knowing what we've talked about so far, what we know, what we don't know, what things have happened in the past from these different election results and performance after the election is this. On balance, it is not generally a good idea for people to make tactical asset allocation shifts driven by their assumption of what the election is going to do. Now, let me put that into normal speak. (laughs) Your long-term and your short-term need to use your money should be driving your decisions about what to do with your portfolio, not based on what you think is going to happen in the outcome of the election. So some people are wanting to make short-term changes based on the outcome of the election. Some people are wanting to make long-term changes based on it ahead of time. And what I am saying is that the election in and of itself, encapsulated in itself, is not the thing that should be driving your long-term asset allocation choices. Your usage of the money when you're going to use it and what it's for is still even in election year, what you should be basing your asset allocation choices on. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named three years in a row to the 2020 Forbes list for best in state wealth advisors and top women wealth advisors. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, where we're talking today about the election and your investments. And what we covered in the first part of our show today was looking back at a historical perspective, which basically shows us that no matter who wins an election, most of the time, over 90% of the time since 1937, we have seen positive results in the S&P 500 both six months and one year after the election, no matter whether the incumbent won or a new party took political power. So that's a very important thing to consider. And part of the reason why it's not generally advisable for you to shift your portfolio asset allocation solely based on the fact that there's an election coming up. So when you think about your investments in an election year, The tendency is to get nervous about the volatility and what might happen. So one of the things that is true is that markets tend to ignore politics until about a month before the election. And in recent election, the correlation between the stocks and the poll results has been pretty minimal until the month of October then they become much more closely linked. That, again, that data is from Bernstein. So what not only do we see that become closely linked in October, but we generally see an unusually high volatility happening in the month of November. And what that tends to be is because of issues that are surrounding changes that might happen based on an election outcome. Now, this year, the anticipation is 
continued volatility through November and has a lot to do with the fact about whether or not it's going to be an issue of counting and validating votes might need to be done differently this year because we have a pandemic. We don't know whether or not mail-in votes, submitted by mail votes, absentee ballots are going to have any type of major impact on the speed in which the election results actually are decided. So if it takes longer than normal for us to see who is finally elected, we can expect to see volatility in the market. I think that that's something that we might be able to anticipate. But if we have a clear winner early on in the election day or evening or even next day, then we're likely to see less volatility come November. Okay, so a couple of different things that um, are our issues when we think about this upcoming election, like I said, have a lot to do with taxes. But there are really competing visions of the view for the future when it comes to taxes. And part of the reason that the taxes is such a big deal in this election is because the taxes were lowered by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So on the Trump platform, his platform is really to continue those Tax Cuts and Jobs Act's uh, tax cuts. And what a lot of people don't know, though, is that that has a sunset provision in it. So at the end of 2025, those are going to go back to where they were before. So it's not a function of whether or not taxes may go up in the future. It's a function of that they will go up in the future unless another vote is held to keep them low but also a function of it's just delaying the point of when taxes might go up in the future. So when we think about how the election might affect policy, the tax policy is really one of the driving forces of what's happening out there. So here's the thing is that when you're thinking about your planning, it might not be so much right now what to do with your investments connected to the election outcome, I think a better thing to be thinking about is what type of shifts might you need to make in your tax planning, depending on the outcome of the election. So normally, what we'd be seeing in tax planning is that we would be trying to defer taxation as long as possible and take as many deductions as we can in the current year to drive down our taxable income. And that's the appropriate response when taxes are low. However, based on the platform that Biden has put out there, and his tax platform right now is a partial reversal of corporate tax cuts, raising rates from a 21 to 28% rate, and implementing a minimum federal tax. He also has an increase in the marginal tax rates on high earners from 37 to 39.6%, and also a change in how the capital gains taxes would be charged if you earn a million dollars or more. So those are some of the campaign um, agenda items that he has in his platform right now. So if Biden is elected, and if that is, since that is, I shouldn't say if, since that is in his campaign platform, if he's elected, it kind of throws us into something that we would call tax planning in reverse. And uh, that phrase has been coined by RSM, which is a tax preparer uh, company. And tax planning in reverse means 
if we are anticipating higher taxes to be coming at us, then we don't want to try to push taxable income into future years and take all the deductions now. We want to reverse trend on that. We want to try to bring the taxable income into the year where taxes are likely to be lower and potentially push deductions out into the future years where taxes are potentially higher. So what I'm saying when it comes to elections and your investments is it's not, generally speaking, a good idea to shift your asset allocation because of an election. But because the two parties running, President Trump and Vice President Biden, have competing views on their vision of the future for our taxes, then what is appropriate to do is immediately following the outcome of the election to determine with your trusted advisors, whether it's your CPA or your financial planner or a combination of both, is to determine what adjustments to your tax planning should be done at the end of this year based on the projected, you know, changes to the tax system depending on who is elected. So investment strategy probably shouldn't change. Tax planning strategy probably should if there's a change in the incumbent president does not win this election. Okay, I hope that's been good, valuable information for you. And again, let me just drive home the point that the things that should go into your planning for your portfolio have everything to do with when you're going to use your money and what it's going to be used for. If you are not having a change or shift in your short or long-term anticipation of using money, then an election year in and of itself shouldn't be enough of a driver to shift your overall plan. I hope that's been valuable information to you. And as we move forward through this election, I wish everybody a safe and uh, and um, strong election season in terms of getting through it <laughs> when there's so much craziness in the world right now and so many polarizing political views that are opposite of friends and loved ones. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and we'll see you next time. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data. Rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. 
Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.